We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're going to talk this morning about new wine and old wineskins. God desiring to bring change into our lives and sometimes we resist what he's wanting to do. You know, the truth is none of us really like change, but when you think about it, that may not be absolutely true. I love the change of a new motorcycle. You love getting a new car. You love the change of a new house or the change of a new outfit. So it's not so much that we resist change. Often it's we resist how others want to force us to change. So let's think about it from that perspective as we walk through these scriptures and this new series of of, uh, messages that's starting this morning. When we're forced, when we're coerced, when we're manipulated, when we're threatened, when we're shamed, when we're forced to do something that we really don't want to do without seeing the benefits, that's when we don't like change. But I believe Jesus is bringing a new perspective, bringing fresh motivation, giving us a reason to want new wine and to remodel this old wine skin. So it contained contain the new things that God is wanting to do. A lot of us are kind of like the older lady who was way out of shape, went to her doctor and said, I got to do something to get back in shape. And he said to her, well, why don't you join the gym and start working out? So she did. Enrolled in a senior's aerobics class. And she said that I bent, I twisted, I gyrated, I jumped up and down, I perspired for an hour. But by the time I got my leotards on, the class was over. (laughs) Some of us can relate to that, can't we? Some of us identify with that a little too much. So in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39, Jesus is challenging us to accept change, to look at a different way of living and a different way of life. You know that it's reported that over 3,700 churches close in the United States every single year. The research behind that says the reason they close is an unwillingness to change, an unwillingness to change. So look at this passage with me, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 33 and reading down through verse 39. Then they said to him, why the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. Then he spoke a parable to them. He gave them an illustration. He drew a word picture for them to help them understand. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into the new wineskins. Both are preserved. Now look at verse 39, because here's the key to this entire passage. It's the key to new wine and old wineskins. It's the key to embracing change. Jesus said, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. For he says, the old is better. 
Let me rephrase that. He says, what I'm comfortable with is best. What I'm used to is what I want. What I've known all my life is what I want to continue to embrace. He says, the old is better. Father, now, would you allow your anointing and your Holy Spirit to touch hearts and change lives in this place? Reach deep into our spirits, deep into our minds, deep into our souls, and challenge us today with the truth and the power of your word. Cause us, Lord, to stop and consider, am I trying to allow God to pour new wine into an old wineskin? Am I refusing to turn loose of something that's keeping me back from the best that God has to offer? Speak into our hearts and speak into our lives today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. I want you to understand this simple truth over the next few Sundays. Number one, God will never put new wine in an old wineskin. If you're saying the old is better, you'll never see a fresh revelation of God. If you're saying, I love where I'm at, I'm stuck right here, you will never experience the best that God has to offer. Write it down and remember it. God will never put new wine in an old wineskin. He just will not do it because he understands it is a complete waste. So if we're going to have the privilege, listen to me, if we're going to have the privilege of hosting the presence of God, of God living and dwelling in us, then we have to be willing to make changes in our life. For you see, this thing of Christianity, it's not about getting saved, my sins being forgiven, and then everything goes on just like it was. You cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians. He said, old things have become new. The old has passed away and everything has become new. That's what God wants to do in you and I. He wants to make us new every day. So in the context of the scripture, the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus. Now understand, you got to read the whole chapter. And understand that Jesus is at Matthew's house. Matthew is a tax collector. The tax collector worked for the Romans. The the Jews hated the tax collectors. So here's Jesus. He's called Matthew to be his disciple. Matthew throws a huge dinner party to celebrate his new position and to honor Jesus Christ, his new master or teacher, And he's sitting down and eating. Jesus is eating with Matthew and all of his sinner friends. And the scribes and the Pharisees have a problem with that. Do you understand the old always has a problem with the new? Do you understand religion always has a problem with the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit? Do you understand that there will come a time in your life when God wants to do something new, but because you're resistant, because you don't want to change, because you like things the way they are, it may just pass you by. Oh, somebody needs to hear me this morning. God will never put new wine in an old wineskin. He's not going to do it. He absolutely refuses to do that. So the Pharisees see Jesus doing something that they themselves would never do. They would never have dinner with a sinner. Why, they may be tainted just by association. The reputation may be tarnished just by being in the house with those unsavory characters. Oh, come on, some of you need to get down off your high horse, and you need to understand if you're ever going to reach the world for Jesus Christ, you got to rub shoulders with some sinners. 
got to put your life in a place where it intersects with theirs and they can see the grace, the mercy, the love, the power of Jesus Christ flowing through you. Why am I doing the hoka hey? Because it allows my life to intersect with a whole bunch of sinners. A whole bunch of men and women who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, I want to be in a place where I have an open door of access, where I can tell the good news of what Jesus has done for me. But if I am stuck in the past, If I'm stuck in yesterday, if I'm trying to live like the way I've always lived life, that will never happen. God will never pour new wine into old wineskins. So the Pharisees were upset. They said, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and like we do? Why don't they do that? And Jesus gave them three word pictures. He gave them the picture of the bridegroom. That the friends of the bridegroom don't fast while the bridegroom is there. But when he departs, then they'll fast. Then he gave them the picture of the piece of new cloth being sold into, sewed into an old garment. Then he gave them the picture of new wine being poured into old wineskins. So they were really raising a question about why don't your disciples follow the traditions of Judaism? It wasn't about fasting. It was about tradition. It wasn't about fasting. It was about doing things the way they wanted things done. So the issue here is, why aren't your disciples observing the traditions of yesterday? And so at this point, Jesus took the opportunity to deal with some new things. He wanted to make it very clear to this group he was talking to that the old is incapable of containing the new that God wants to do. Absolutely incapable. We need to understand that many times we come to Christ, but we hold back a part of our lives. We hang on to some of that old. Oh, I'm glad I'm forgiven. And God starts dealing with us about that offense in the past, about the fact that we haven't forgiven someone else. He starts dealing with us about those attitudes that can destroy our lives. And we say, hold it now. I didn't agree to give that to you. I'm going to hang on to that. Hear me again. God will not put new wine in an old wineskin. You've got to be willing to deal with the things from the past that haunts you, that wake you up at night. You've got to be willing to give them to God, to release them and to let them go so that God can pour some new wine into your life. You will never put new wine in old wineskins. You see, because he knows when we hold unforgiveness in our heart, it leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to anger. And anger leads to resentment. And resentment leads to revenge. And revenge leads to hatred. He knows it's a destructive cycle that has to be stopped in order for new wine to flow. So I've come to challenge some of you this morning. You're holding on to that stuff from yesterday? You're still talking about he or she did to you. You still remember what that pastor did or that church did. It's time to let it go. Because God will never pour new wine in an old wineskin. You see, we need to understand when we come to Christ, it's all about all things becoming new. And God wants to do something in us that revolutionizes, transforms, completely overhauls our life. He doesn't want the vestiges of the past to cling to us. He wants all things to be new. He wants us to have a new wineskin so we can hold the new wine. But we find ourselves in church circles and before you know it, we're talking about this one and that one and another one and gossip becomes the rule of the day. Oh, God will not put new wine in old wineskins. 
Oh, I love the way you're preaching now, Steve. Get after him. That's exactly right. Come on, folks. Watch your tongue. God isn't going to honor that. You can't pray for revival this morning and talk bad about your brother or your sister this afternoon and think God's going to honor that. Love the way you're shouting now. Come on, folks. It's time to get a grip on this. Or this thing runs through the church like crazy. You know what? If they would just give me a chance, I could do a lot better job than that other person did. You know what that's called? That's called jealousy. And jealousy has no life in the place of the believer. You may be more talented, but until you get rid of that stuff, God is not going to put new wine in that old wineskin. And you're going to sit there griping, grumbling, complaining because nobody sees my talent. Nobody acknowledges my ability. If that pastor was spiritual, he would see what I have. Maybe he sees what you have, and that's the problem. Think about it. New wine and old wineskins, it's never going to happen. Until we allow God to do a work on the inside of us, he will not pour out the power of the Spirit in a new and a fresh way in our lives. And may I tell you, God is always up to something new. The God I serve is not static. Oh, listen, the God I serve is not stuck in 1987. He's not still singing, He is Lord, He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, He is Lord. The God I serve is not stuck in 1987. Someone said, I don't know why we don't sing hymns, because God sings a new song. He brings a new revelation and a new song into our hearts and into our lives. Isn't that what the scripture says? Sing unto the Lord a new song. Why? Because God's always doing something new. He's not stuck back there. He wants to pull us out of the past, release us from the shackles, and fill us full of new wine. That's his desire. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 from the New International Version says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Study the scriptures. God is always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. God told Noah to build a boat before it ever rained on planet earth. That's a new thing. God told Abraham to leave his home without ever telling him where he was going to go. That's a new thing. God told Gideon to get rid of all those 20,000 soldiers, only keep 300 of them, and then go fight the army and see the victory. That's a new thing. God told the prophet Elisha, you can throw a stick in the water and you'll make an iron axe head swim. That's a new thing. God told Jehoshaphat, put the choir out in front of the warriors and see what I'm going to do. That's a new thing. Oh, come on, folks. God is always doing new things. The problem is we are stuck back here and we are not open to what God wants to do. God wants to do a new thing. The Bible says in the scripture I just read, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, he's going to make a way of the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen, he's going to do it whether you help him or not. He's going to do it whether you get on board or not. He's going to do it. And listen to this. He doesn't need your backhoe and he doesn't need your garden hose. He just needs your heart. Oh, come on, somebody. Get a hold of this. God does new things every day, but he will never put new wine in an old wineskin. 
He wants to do something in us that allow us to contain what he's attempting to do in our hearts and in our lives. Do you understand the uniqueness of the gospel? The message that Jesus came and proclaimed, it's different than any other message that's ever been proclaimed on the face of the planet Earth. It is so unique, it is absolutely incompatible with every other religious message. Listen to me, you cannot blend the gospel of Jesus Christ and Buddhism. You cannot blend the gospel of Jesus Christ and Hinduism. You cannot blend the gospel of Jesus Christ and Mormonism. You cannot blend the gospel of Jesus Christ and the false doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses. You cannot blend the gospel of Jesus Christ with Islam. The gospel is incompatible with every other religious system on the face of the planet today. It is unique. It is one of a kind. And it is because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and three days later rose again from the dead. Oh, I'm coming to tell you, you can't mix anything with Christianity. And yet we do it every day. We attempt it all the time. Yvonne and I are going to Peru next week. And we're going to be dealing with pastors who are blending and mixing animism, spiritism, Catholicism, the things from their past with Christianity. Oh, someone needs to hear me. The gospel is unique. It will not merge. It will not blend. It will not walk in hand in hand with any other religious ideology. Well, that's pretty closed-minded. No, that's the gospel. The gospel is unique, and we didn't understand it. It is absolutely exclusive. It mixes with no other religion. It mixes with no other set of beliefs. It accommodates no other belief system. In fact, the gospel replaces everything else. Oh, I'm here to tell you, if you came out of Hinduism, if you came out of Buddhism, if you came out of Islam, if you came out of the Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism, you understand. It's a clean break. I'm walking away. I'm not trying to mix Jesus and. It's not Christ and. It's not His resurrection and. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. More than ever in this generation... This truth needs to be empathetically understood. God will not put new wine in old wineskins. And if you're trying to mix Christianity with something else, you say, well, I don't even know what that guy's talking about. Listen, I've dealt with folks right here in this church who are blending Christianity with Buddhism, putting spells on folks. Are you kidding me? That is not the gospel. Jesus doesn't work that way. If you want to practice the dark arts, don't call yourself a Christian. Don't call yourself a believer. Because Jesus came to set us free from all that kind of nonsense. So we need to understand in this day and in this time, a day that exalts diversity. A day that tolerates everything. A day when pluralism, inclusivism, and universalism is all embraced in the church. Because we're all going to the same place. We may just have different paths to get there. We're actually trying to pour new wine into old wineskins. And it doesn't work. Listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. No one comes to God except through Christ. 
You cannot blend other religious systems, other ideologies with Christianity and expect something new from God. So when I'm talking about old wineskins, I want to clarify something with you. God's not opposed to the old. When the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River to take the promised land, he said, you tell the priest to pick up 12 stones and build a memorial to remind them of what I've done as I brought them into this land. God's not opposed to the old. Matter of fact, one of his names is Ancient of Days. So this isn't about old versus new. Please understand that. It's about flexibility versus rigidity. It's about being flexible enough to allow God to do do something new in me and I don't blow apart when he does. It's flexibility versus rigidity. Jesus even said to his disciples, you can read it in Matthew chapter 13 verse 52, every teacher of the law who's been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. There is something to be said about the old. There's something to be honored about the old. But we need to understand we can't build our relationship with God on yesterday. He wants to do a new thing. The Holy Spirit is just like a river. He moves and he flows. He isn't contained to a channel. You can't say, I'm going to go there and meet God because God's not going to be there. God is going to move and flow. He's like the wind that blows where it wills. Oh, come on, church. We cannot be stuck in yesterday and expect to receive new wine. It's not about new versus old. It's about flexibility versus rigidity. I also want you to understand, I'm not talking about doing away with the Old Testament. Jesus never criticized the covenant of Moses. Never once. Matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill. I came to complete. I came to do what the law was weak and could not do. I came to complete the law. To make it possible for men and women to live up to the standards of that old covenant. So this analogy about new wine and wineskins. This analogy about a new piece of fabric in an old garment. Has several layers of meanings. One of those meanings is that the presence and the teaching of Jesus was something brand new. And it wasn't going to fit in the confines of Judaism as the Pharisees knew it. It wasn't going to work in that religious system. He had no intention of patching or pouring this new ministry, this new life into the old religion that had been outdated, antiquated, destroyed, somehow homogenized, somehow perverted by the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees. So it's not going to work. You're not going to put new wine in old wineskins. The teachings of Jesus would not be confined to that old system. And that's what he's making very clear in this passage of Scripture. You need to remember, Judaism was the cradle of Christianity. Jesus was a Jew, you know that, right? The twelve disciples were Jews, you know that, right? Paul the Apostle was a Jew, you know that, right? Judaism was the cradle of Christianity, but it almost became its coffin as well. Because the very Jews who should have embraced the Messiah found ways to deny, to destroy, to defame, to take away all credibility from this one Jesus who is called the Christ. They even crucified him with a little help from the Romans. 
So even though Judaism was a cradle of Christianity, it almost became the coffin of Christianity. So when we're looking at this passage, Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to reform anything. I'm not coming to reform an old, worn-out religious system, but to fulfill God's requirements by bringing something that is new, that is radical, that is life-giving, that inspires hope, that gives a reason to live, that brings forgiveness and change into the hearts and lives of men and women. He came to fulfill. Think about it for just a moment with me. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. And with that, the sacrificial system is no longer necessary. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that we don't have a brazen altar up here and a trench down each side so we can drain the blood out of the bulls and the goats that welfare on that altar. I am thankful that once and for all, the blood of Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice so that all who believe in him should be saved. And you know what I'm really thankful for? I'm really thankful that I don't have to get up every morning or every month or every year and offer a fresh sacrifice for the things that I have done, knowing that as soon as I offer it, it's invalid because I went and sinned again and I got to do it all over. I'm thankful that once and for all, Christ died for the ungodly. And now I can know him in fullness and power and in resurrection ability. So we see that he came to offer the ultimate sacrifice. But the Pharisees, they kind of liked the old way better. And they didn't want to turn loose of the old way. Everybody, anybody like that? Well, if you've been in the church longer than three minutes, you met somebody like that. Because we're everywhere. Yet we never think we have a problem with that. But we resist anything God's wanting to do. We push back. Think about it, in the Old Testament under that system, the temple, the Holy of Holies, is where the presence of God resided. And only the high priest, and only once a year, was enabled to go into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. But when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, he tells us no longer is the presence of God contained in the Holy of Holies, but the presence of God is housed in you and me. Oh, come on, we are temples of the Holy Ghost. God lives in me. You got to understand that. He came to bring change. And once you've experienced that dynamic of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, think about this for just a minute. Anybody that came out of a nominal religion, think about this for just a moment. You went to church, you heard a liturgy, you recited the prayers when you were supposed to recite them, you knelt when you were supposed to kneel, you stood when you were supposed to stand, you went forward to receive communion with your hands folded, and someone put it on your lips, you took a little bit of the cup, think about it, but when you came to Christ... Suddenly it's not form, it's not ritual, but the living Christ is dwelling in you. Suddenly you have the bread and the body as a part of your life. Suddenly you understand he is alive and forevermore. Suddenly new wine is poured into you. Oh, come on, folks. I'm trying this morning to break some of these things free. God wants us to be liberated and set free. Jesus didn't come to reform an old, worn-out religious system. He came to bring something brand new. The Pharisees held on to the old. They failed to embrace the new. And in the process, listen to this statement, in the process, they became enemies of the grace of God. 
Now, I want that statement to sink in for just a moment. When we resist what God wants to do, when we hang on to the old way, when God is blowing a fresh wind, when God wants to bring a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, when God wants to pour in new wine, but we don't turn loose of the old wineskin, we are resisting the grace of God. Wow, that's a serious thing. Come on, folks, don't be so stuck in your religion. Don't be, don't be so stuck in what grandma taught you that was wrong. You can't get past it and experience what is right. Don't be so stuck in a cultural definition or a cultural ideal of what Christianity is that you can't get past it and experience the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm here to tell you, there are people all over Tallahassee this morning going through forms and rituals, trying to pour new wine into old wineskins, and there's no change, there's no conversion, there's no sanctification, there is no indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. It only happens when you say, destroy the old and bring in the new. Let some new wine flow into my wineskin this morning. I look at this story, and Jesus determined that no matter... What the scribes and the Pharisees said, he was going to be a change agent. And because of that, he made enemies to the point they crucified him. So you need to understand that the works of God's grace, they're always new and fresh. Have you ever come to that place where just, wow, wow, look what God did. I can't believe that. That's a work of God's grace suddenly dawning in your life. And you're saying, wow, what a God I serve. Have you ever come to the place where you actually forgave someone? And then you realized, wow, that feels so much better. I love living like this. Why did I live like that all those years when there's something better? That's what God is saying to you this morning. There's something better. Let go of the old and let him pour in some new wine. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit flow fresh and anew in your heart and in your life. So we need to understand God has new wine. He wants to pour out on His church today. But we have to be willing to let go of the old. We have to be willing to allow His presence to stretch us, to renew us, to change us in order to experience that new wine. Unfortunately, too many times, we're just like the Pharisees. I don't think that's right because we've never done it that way before. Man, we have killed so many sacred cows, haven't we? Sacrificed so many of them. We need to understand we're not done yet. God's dealing with matters of the heart. Do you understand that Paul said you don't need to be circumcised physically. You need to be circumcised spiritually. Something has to happen in your heart to identify you with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not about religion. It's not about routine. It's not about the same way. Listen to me. I don't care if we sing two songs or 4,400 songs. I don't care. I just want God to show up. I don't care if the kids sing or the kids don't sing. I don't care. I just want God to show up. I don't care if we have five adult classes on Wednesday night or everybody meets in the sanctuary. I don't care. I just want God to show up. June 7th through the 9th, we're holding a community-wide revival right here. Right here, right now, there's seven churches partnering with us. We're going to start praying this Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, because I want some new wine to flow through this place. 
Oh, come on. Will you get in agreement with me? The old no longer works. We need some new wine. We need revival in Tallahassee. But that only occurs as people lay down their opinions, lay down their preferences, and say, God, change me. Make me a vessel that can receive some new wine. Make me a vessel through whom you can pour out the new wine of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something new. So why are we talking about the contrast between old and new? What is new that would be ruined getting attached to the old? Well, this is it. The gospel is not only unique, the gospel is radical. And Jesus came to preach a radical word that changes lives and turns people upside down. He talked about it in Luke chapter 4 when in his hometown he began to read these words from Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When he stood in the synagogue and read that passage, he said, new wine is flowing from today forward. The old way isn't going to work anymore. The sacrificial system is not sufficient. The law does not make you holy, but I got news for you. There's some new wine coming, and it will radically change your life. He said, this is what it's all about, a radical gospel of good news to the poor, the disenfranchised, the oppressed, the sick, the brokenhearted. He came to bring change. And he's saying to the Pharisees in this passage of our text, your old rules of what to eat and who to eat with just don't work anymore. Because there's some new wine that's flowing. There's a new mandate. There's a new way of coming to God. He was trying, listen to me, he was not abandoning the Hebrew people. He was trying to bring them back to their roots. Bring them back to the tenets of their faith. He was trying to bring them back to where they love God above all else. And they love their neighbors as themselves. To bring them back where they loved mercy. Oh, come on, they loved justice, and they walked humbly with the Lord their God. That's the tenets of the Hebrew faith, not some dead, pharisaical idea of how you should eat and when you should fast and all these other religions, requirements they attach to their religion. You may say, well, you know, it was 2,000 years ago. It's a dead issue. No, it's not. No, it's not. The tendency of Christianity, the tendency of God's people, is to fall into that place where we're comfortable. And if it doesn't fit into our comfort zone, then we resist it. We reject it. We want nothing to do with the new wine that God wants to pour out upon us. You see, if services don't go like they went 25 years ago, we resist it. We reject it. It's not the way it ought to be. If we don't sing the same songs, if we don't see the same things, if we don't hear the same messages, oh, come on, folks, God does new things. It's time to understand that. He never abandons His Word. He never changes the message contained in the book, but He always changes the methods to deliver the message into the hearts of men and women. And if we are so so rigid... That we can accept a method that touches someone else. Something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with us. It's not about the old versus the new. 
It's about flexibility versus rigidity. So you think it's a dead issue? The Apostle Paul dealt with it. He was a persecutor of the church. The Bible says Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus. A bright light shined out into him. Blinded him. Knocked him down. And he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm Jesus. Sent him to the house. Three days later, Ananias came to pray for him that he would receive his sight. When he laid his hands on him, he prayed that his eyes would be open and he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was praying for new wine. He was praying for that old wineskin of pharisaical tradition and pharisaical laws and regimentation to be done away and God to do a new thing in him. I don't know about you, but I want some new wine. I want the fresh breath of God to blow in and through our lives. I want to see God to do something mighty in our lives. So Paul went out and began to preach this radical new gospel. He went across the Gentile world preaching this radical new gospel. And then those folks back in Jerusalem, not the Jews, the Christians, the Christians who converted from Judaism, they heard that Paul wasn't making them observe the food laws. He wasn't making them be circumcised. He wasn't making them follow the traditions of the Old Testament scriptures, but rather he was allowing new wine to flow into their lives. And they called him on the carpet, Acts chapter 15. It's called the Council of Jerusalem. All the religious leaders called this guy in and said, how can you do that? How can you do that? And Paul laid it out for him. He said, I'm not going to impose on them things that we couldn't do either. But I'm going to give them a chance to live in new wine. I'm going to give them a chance to experience the fresh winds of the Holy Spirit. You can read it throughout the New Testament. He writes about it in Galatians. He writes about it in Romans. He writes about it in Colossians. Oh, somebody, open your book and read it. Paul is saying, it's time for new wine. And God is saying to you and I this morning, that what worked yesterday may not work today. And we have got to come to the place where we're willing to have a change of mindset in order to embrace the kingdom of God with all of its fullness. Stand with your feet with me. I'll finish this message next week. But right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to do something in hearts and in lives. I want to bring change to men and women and boys and girls. He's saying, I want some old wineskins to be pliable one more time. And we're going to talk about that next week, how an old wineskin can receive new wine. What God does in us to transform our lives. Tom, that song says, change my heart, oh God. Would you come and begin to lead us in that beautiful old song of the church? Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. In this room this morning, this is simply the invitation. If God's talking to you about letting go of some of that old so you can receive some new wine, as Tom begins to sing, just step out and come. It's a confession of my need, and I'm the first one here. I'm already here. So if you need something new from God, as Tom begins to sing, Change My Heart, O God, just step out and come this morning. And let Him do a new thing in your heart and in your life. Sing it out. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. 
Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 